Welcome to Board Meetings, where I chat about woodworking with my fellow Wood Whisperer Guild members. On today's installment, we'll discuss pre-finishing panels with Kyle, safety issues using tried-and-true varnish with Jason, and making hollow columns with Richard. Let's get to it. Hello? Hey, Kyle. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How's it going, man? Oh, pretty pretty good, pretty good. I got a question regarding uh, pre-finishing door panels. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm finally building or uh, coming to the completion of my uh, wall hanging uh, jewelry cabinet. Okay. And I've always, for um, panels and doors, I've always used plywood. This is the first time using real wood. Okay. So I thought about pre finishing the panel uh, because the environment I live in, there there is large humidity swings. Mm hmm. So, um, since, you know, to fit the panel in the car, because there's going to be a lot of the handling and stuff of that nature, should I just pre-finish the edges of the panel, or should I go ahead and pre-finish the whole panel? I was also thinking about only, I'm using Armacil. Uh, uh, I'm sure that makes a difference. Okay. But um, should I um, finish the whole panel or just the edges, or what's are, your recommendation? Are you staining at all? No, no. Okay, well, sometimes, at least the way I approach this, and I, I imagine other people mm -hmm. do it differently, um, for me, I like to, if, if I'm going to pre-finish, it's kind of like, once that panel's in there, you have a little bit of difficulty, you know, when, when you have an unfinished frame around a finished panel, you know, so it gets to be a little bit mm -hmm. tricky what to do later. So a lot of times, I don't necessarily completely pre-finish. I just pre-finish enough so that if the panel should decide to shrink a little bit, you don't have any lines that expose unfinished material. Um, so in a lot of cases, especially dealing with an oil-based varnish or something, I may go ahead and use one or two coats uh, to, to sort of um, basically seal it and then mm -hmm. assemble my door. And then when I do my final finishing, if the panel has one or two coats than the outside frame, uh, you know, more coats than the outside frame, that's not that big of a deal. You can quickly catch right. them up to one another. Um, so that's that's usually how I handle it. If you're looking to 100% completely pre-finish the panel, I would definitely recommend doing the whole thing, not just the outside edges, um, mm -hmm. you know, that, that just for consistency. And, and you're pre-finishing to save yourself some trouble, so you may as well just uh, do the whole thing all the way through. Um, so if you do it that way, then you have a little bit of a tricky part where the panel meets the side of your frame, because obviously as you're finishing your frame, you don't want to get finished on something that's already mm -hmm. been finished to its full extent. You know, so that's why sometimes I only seal it and then do the final finishing on the entire door. Of course, you have the uh, you have the option of pre-finishing the door frame, but I never like to do that because then when I put two pieces together, uh, a mortise and tenon joint, that joint is never perfectly flush, at least not as flush as it's going to be after I sand it and smooth it where those two frame pieces come together. Um, yeah. so, so that's why I like to kind of seal the panel, pre-seal it, but not necessarily go all the way through the finishing process. I, I do like to final finish everything once it's assembled. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that was my first thought is just put like maybe one or two coats of finish on there and then go from there. Yeah, ultimately yeah. with with your humidity swings, you may see, you know, you may see some of that panel being exposed and even if it just has one or two coats, visually no one will know the difference. You'll be able to, you know, if it's unfinished wood that's being exposed by mm -hmm. the panel shrinking, that people are going to see. But at least if there's one or two coats on that outer perimeter, it's it should be just fine. Okay, okay. 
Well, I appreciate it, and thanks for the Sandy check. Hey, hey, no problem, Kyle. And, uh, of course, if you have any questions, just give me a call back. Sure will. All right, buddy. Thank you. Yep, take care. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. Hello. Is this Mark? Yes, it is. <laughs> wow, the man. Hey, you're coming. You're coming up. You're coming up unknown. So I didn't see a, a name there. Who is this? Oh, sorry. No, uh, that's okay. My name is Jason. I'm JP Dorn in the forums. Jason, how's it going, man? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Hanging in there. So thanks for taking our questions. Um, yeah, no problem. I had a question for you. I was hoping to find out if you had any experience or opinions on the tried and true finishes. Ah, uh, yes. I, I actually just picked up my first can, believe it or not, because I've heard so much about it. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I just picked up my first can. Now, have you have you tried it at all yet, or you're uh, just looking to purchase some now? Yeah, no. I've uh, I've tried the varnish oil. Uh, I've done a few small pieces with it, and I'm in the middle of doing a huge piece with it. But um, it's uh, I, I really like the finish. I like that. Uh, well, actually, one of my questions was um, be- because of the ingredients and the lack of solvents and everything, I kind of wanted to know what you thought about the need for a respirator or whatever while using it. Okay, well, from what I understand with the product and, and what makes this stuff different is the fact that it's, you know, it's really green, you know, in terms of environmentally friendly and, uh, and right. you know, without any of the thinners or any of the nasty stuff, no VOCs, it it should be pretty safe and you know, I haven't actually, like I said, I haven't had a chance to use it, but in talking to folks who have used it in the past, it's one of those products that uh, it's not quite what we think of as varnish in the sense that you could slap on a nice thick coat and walk away and it comes back uh, perfectly dry the next day. Uh, this, right, this, right. It really needs to be applied in very, very thin coats, giving it full time for each coat to dry. So it does act much more like an oil than, you know, than a varnish. But it does build up, and I guess you know they have a couple different formulations, but for the most part, it's uh, basically polymerized oils. Um, so yeah, I would say basically, if, if there's no VOCs, it, there's really not a whole lot in the way of um, respiratory things that you have to be concerned about. So uh, you know, okay. here's the thing, and little confession is that I, when I used oil-based finishes, even just like a, a something like an oil varnish blend, a Danish oil. I just crack a window and make sure that, you know, maybe pull the garage door up a little bit and just make sure that there's lots of fresh air. And, I, okay. you know, that's for a relative. If I'm doing a really large project, I will throw the respirator on. But on those oil-based finishes, they're not that bad to begin with. Now, I, I'm kind of – I shouldn't really say that because I don't want people to think that Mark said it's okay not to use your respirator. <laughs> I'm just saying sometimes on a short project, I don't worry about it so much with oil-based finishes. So my point is with this particular stuff, that's even better uh, in terms of, uh, you know, just volatile compounds inside the material – um, you're you're probably going to be okay, you know, because it's non-toxic and there's not a whole lot going on there. So it really wouldn't be all that different than taking a bottle of pure tongue oil, let's say, uh, that has nothing added to it and opening that up. It's just oil, you know, so okay. there, there's really not a whole lot that's going to uh, either offend the senses or cause you uh, respiratory problems. But um, definitely let me know, you know, long term how this works out for you because I, I, I bought a can. I just haven't had a chance to put it on a project yet. Okay. Um, well, I've, yeah, I've, I actually, I ordered a can of each of them, um, at the instructions. Well, the reason it is the first time I used varnish oil, I don't, I don't know if you've heard about anybody applying it, but it's a lot like trying to apply honey. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, really <laughs> thick, very right? thick, and very difficult to move around. Okay. Um, I, I had to take a day off yesterday from from working on my project because my arms and shoulders were so sore from <laughs> from rubbing the stuff on. So anyway, so I bought some Danish oil, which you're supposed to be able to thin it with. Yeah. Um, and uh, I haven't tried that yet, but I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've been working a few days without, um, you know, without a respirator, and I, it's not really warm enough to open the doors or anything. Um, and I haven't had it, you know, I haven't had the associated headaches and everything. So. Yeah, and that and that's true because when I when I use something like Armor Seal, I do if I go too long, and I know kind of know what my limit is. If I do too much, I do wind up getting right. a little bit of a, a headache with that stuff. So it's. Uh, yeah, I've learned my lesson a couple of times, but like I said, a quick project, I just don't think about it. Uh, but for a larger project, it's always a good idea. But yeah, this stuff from what I see, I think it's, I think it's okay. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit more into it. And if I, if I change my mind after reading some of the fine print here, I'll let you know. But, um, that seems to be one of the great selling points of the stuff is the fact that it is much safer to use, not just for the environment, but for you as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I'd I'd really be interested in hearing your opinion after you use it a bit. Yeah, I can't. Um, I can't wait to get it on something I haven't had a chance yet. Yeah, and the only other thing I needed to tell you, I've needed to tell you this for a couple of years now. Okay. Uh, I played drums in college in a band named Friends of Zane, <laughs> which is very similar to your band. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, I, I, it was like one of those stupid band names that we came up with on a on a whim, and then next thing you know, it would it just stuck, you know. And uh, getting a name that sticks in people's heads is probably the the first part of the battle, and then actually having good music <laughs> is like the second half of the battle. So. <laughs> yep, yep, that's how it happened with us too. Some guy named Zane hooked us up with a gig and. We decided that was our name. Oh, that's so. funny, man. Very <laughs> cool. Well, good luck with all that. All right, man. Thanks all for right. talking to me. Yeah, yeah. Take care. All right, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Hello? Hey, Richard. Hey, Mark. How are you? Good. How's it going? It's great. Thanks so much for calling back. Oh, really? yeah. No problem at all. This is actually great. Really interesting. Well, I'm glad you like it. It's uh, kind of a new thing. I just hope people take advantage of it because it's uh, it's a great opportunity just to kind of you know just to talk one on one, which uh, we don't get the chance to do too often. Yeah, it's really great. You're really an innovator in this stuff, so uh, it's, it's excellent. I, I have a quick question for you uh, about a project that I'm sort of embarking on. Okay. I'm trying to build a, an antique music stand uh, mm-hmm. based mostly on just some photographs. Okay. And the challenge I have is to build essentially a hollow fluted column to uh, for the bass part of this music stand. Okay. And I had a, I've come up with a couple different ways to do it, but I've never done either of them. And I wanted to see if there, perhaps you had a better idea. Um, the fluting part of it, I'm not worried about. That I'm, I can do. Um, the question is how to, gen- how to generate the hollow component because there needs to be essentially either a a uh, cylindrical or a square post in the center of this round column that allows the music stand to go up and down with a simple peg mechanism to kind of hold it at different heights. Okay. And I was thinking two different ways to do that. One would be to simply start out with a square blank, cut the blank into half, or, or you know, cut the blank in half, put a big dado down the center of each half, glue it back together, and then turn that on the lathe. Um, or the alternative is just to actually turn the whole thing and then somehow bore out the center. But I was a little concerned that, you know, to get a straight shot through this essentially three foot by four inch diameter column. Yeah. Any other ideas that you might have for how to do that in an accurate and relatively straightforward way? I think you, I think the one you mentioned is probably one of the most viable. I've seen folks who do that to 
if you're making like a, a lamp or something like that where you're going to need to run uh, copper tubing down the middle with a wire in it or something, uh, that it's it's far easier to split that thing in half, uh, you know, hog out the material and then pull everything back together uh, seems to be, in my opinion, one of the best ways to, to tackle that. The only other thing that I could think to do is to basically essentially build it as a box, you know, build it like a hollow post with four sides that you then connect on the outside edge using a rabbit or, you know, some sort of a joinery on the outside edge, even miters if you if you wanted to, uh, but you'd have to kind of reinforce them with a spline all the way up and down. So that's the, those are really the only two ways that come to mind that are real sensible for, for creating sort of that hollow channeled uh, uh, tube, essentially, is what you're trying to create there. So I guess if you did it as a box and you made the sides extremely thick, you could still potentially turn that once it was... Uh, once it was built up. Oh yeah, no reason. Yeah, no reason you can't turn it. And especially if you do a reinforced miter joint, you know, and if, as long as the, the joint is nice and tight uh, so that as you're turning it, you don't expose gaps or something like that. Uh, so you want to make sure it's a real good precision setup as you're doing it. But um, that would turn fairly well. Uh, the only difficulty there, if, if there is one, is that you've got four joints now uh, that are that could very well be visible depending on the wood species and how how visible your glue line is. Right. Uh, right. But, but that's certainly one way to do it. Again, is just to kind of go four sides and then turn it afterwards. I guess if I set up the flutes so that each flute, you know, some of the flutes were on the joint line, it also would hide it, which would be kind of interesting. Oh, perfect. Just yeah. have to be real thick to make that happen. That's a great idea because that means I can get away with a thinner stock as a starting point and I don't have to have, you know, like 12 quarter stock to basically build this column. I can basically build it with, you know, one quarter stock and laminate it maybe into two pieces on each wall on each side. So that, that's actually really cool. Yeah. And then, happen. and then it's going to save you a lot of uh, waste too. You know, if you do, did, if you had to do that at a solid and you hollow out the, the center, you're just going to be, you know, wasting a ton of material. So, you know, should it should, it, I, I would imagine that would probably be the most efficient way to do it. Oh, that's a great idea. I also think, I wonder if it's more stable that way as well, uh, rather than just having a big hunk of wood that can move. Uh, yeah, I, I think it would be. I mean, ultimately, it, it, you're removing, there's not much stock in the middle. You've got the four sides. It's, it's really nothing more than an elongated box. Um, I, I think it probably would be more stable. Yeah, I've seen people do newel posts that way. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the center of a newel post is much wider. So right. that's great. That's a great idea. I'm, I think may, I may try that, actually. Good, sure. good. Yeah, let me know how it turns out. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Mark. Thank you, Richard. Have a good rest of your night. All right. You too. So that's another installment of Board Meetings. And thanks to everyone for calling in. If you'd like to participate in our board meeting chats, you'll need to join the Guild. So head on over to woodwhispererguild.com to sign up. Mm -hmm.